I'm Jorge Salazar, reporting from the Texas Advanced Computing Center, part of the University of Texas at Austin. The SC14 Supercomputing Conference met this year in the city of New Orleans, the week of November 16th through 21st. Over 10,000 people gathered at SC14 to share the latest in high-performance computing, networking, storage, and analysis. Satoshi Matsuoka came to SC14 and received the 2014 IEEE Computer Society Sydney Fernbach Award for innovation in the application of high-performance computers. Dr. Matsuoka is a professor and leader of the Subame Project, one of the world's fastest and most efficient supercomputing grid clusters. Subame is at the Global Scientific Information and Computing Center, hosted by the Tokyo Institute of Technology. We spoke with Satoshi Matsuoka on the opening night of a busy convention floor at SC14. Now, the theme of the SC14 conference here is HPC Matters. Could you tell us why does HPC matter to you, and also why um, should it matter to anyone else? Well, HPC is becoming a fundamental tool to solve important societal problems. So for example, if you look at like pharmaceuticals, HPC is becoming one of the fundamental tools to create tomorrow's medicines, or to do genome analysis, doing things like proteomic docking, uh, looking for cannabis substances. And then further along, there are simulations being done to simulate uh, human cells, human organs, uh, blood flow, motion of the heart, so forth. So uh, it's becoming a very important tool for improving the quality of life in various medical areas. The other could be things like disaster prevention and analysis and prediction. So uh, for example, you know that Japan was hit by a tremendous earthquake recently. And of course, there's a long history of, of earthquakes causing tremendous uh, disasters and loss of, of loss of lives, loss of various properties, loss of infrastructures. So it's very important to be able to predict earthquakes, being able to predict what the effect of the earthquakes, and there HPC is playing a very vital role. For example, our supercomputer Tsubame 2.5, along with other supercomputers in Japan, like the K computer and the Earth Simulator. There are many, many simulations on earthquakes that are being executed on these machines that's helping to uh, create hazard maps that's allowing uh, the government to plan various responsive actions which may reduce the number of casualties to be one-tenth of uh, what, uh, if nothing is done and anticipated. So, uh, so there are many, many examples like this where HPC will really matter to the society to save lives and also to preserve our infrastructure and preserve the quality of life. Now, I'd like to congratulate you on receiving the 2014 IEEE Computer Society Sydney Fernbach Award. Thank you. Thank you. This is for innovation and application of high-performance computers. Now, what do you see as the most important trends guiding high-performance information systems uh, today? Well, I think the trend and, of course, the challenge is to how to sustain the, the growth in terms of performance that we have enjoyed over the number of years. So, you know, the capabilities we have now, which is unprecedented, was never anticipated in the past, but now have come to become a reality. Uh, for one thing was done, achieved by this 
uh, orders of magnitude growth curve that we have sustained over the number of years. To be more precise, uh, HPC performance has grown by a factor of a thousand over the last 10 years, and this has been true for, actually, some people claim it's been true for the last 50 years. So that means um, you know, 50 years ago, compared to 50 years ago, our compute capabilities are almost infinite. Um, it's becoming increasingly harder, however, because of limitations in various aspects of the physics, like power, uh, like re resiliency, reliability, costs, and so forth. Uh, everything is, um, and uh, uh, speed of light, of course, is a limit. And all of these physical limits are suddenly surfacing all, uh, almost at the same time. So there were problems in the past, but it's almost as if these problems are suddenly becoming reality like tidal waves. So, uh, it's, so the next 10 years is going to be a tremendous challenge in order for us to sustain the growth of the, our capabilities. And that challenge is one of the most important. Maybe the other important is how to deal with this explosion of data around us. You know, there's a buzzword, big data. What people are saying is big data could be something that more in the past could have been called as just simple statistical analysis. On the other hand, there are real big data problems where the data are becoming so immense, petabytes in the future, exabytes, that a simple IT infrastructure, including the personnel to staff them or the network to transfer them, but also storage to store them and the computing to process them, will no longer be able to handle these in a simple, traditional manner. So how to, how to address this explosion of data um, as real big data problems? I think that's going to be another huge challenge in the coming years. Now, what would you most like listeners to know about Subami, mm -hmm. um, one of the fastest and most um, efficient supercomputing grid clusters? Mm -hmm. uh, there are several properties of Tsubame, but we term Tsubame as everybody's supercomputer. So it's a supercomputer that's very advanced. It uses you know, all the latest technologies. But still, we design this as combination of commodity components. So, and thus, the software, everything is very accessible. There's ease of use. Uh, is, in some sense, of course, we've tried very hard to make the system easy to use, but we really make the system be accessible so that people, like students coming to the university, all the students get an account on Tsubami. So as they progress in their school, they would be using Tsubami to do lab courses. And then when they do full-fledged research, they can use the full capability of, of the machine. As HPC becomes important for the evolution of our society, it's also very important to make the HPC be accessible, not confined to just few elites, but high-end capabilities be accessible by everyone. And I think the idealism of Tsubami with a number of years is, has been that it's, despite being one of the fastest supercomputers in the world, that it remains very accessible to everyone. Would you like to share a success story, one of your favorite success stories that you've seen in designing hybrid systems that uh, use uh, these um, GPU coprocessors? So there's been a number of successful systems uh, using GPUs, uh, including ours, of course, but there are like, for example, Oak Ridge has Titan. And also, um, so even TAC, TAC and Stampede, although Mike, uh, the Xeon 5 processor, 
one may call a GPU or not, but it really has an origin as a GPU. So the hybrid heterogeneous or hybrid systems, I think, are starting to become real mainstream. And uh, recently announced, what's been just announced, the uh, you know, new DOE, Oak Ridge, and uh, Livermore acquisitions in 2017, these are also GPU-based systems, so they're hybrid systems. But probably the most success is probably in the likes of cell phones. If you look at a cell phone these days, a new Apple iPhone 6 or something like a tablet with using the NVIDIA's Tegra processor, architecturally, they are exactly the same. They're hybrids. They have uh, multiple CPU cores, uh, multi-cores, CPUs, and they then they have this mini-core GPU portion. And these are heterogeneous hybrid architectures. And for normal processing, you use the CPUs, the CPUs, but then for doing high performance, like graphics stuff or the physics simulation thing, or image processing, you use the GPU. So I think, uh, in some sense, I, I believe that um, the mobile space is, is, to some extent, is ahead of HPC in exploiting the power of the hybrid architecture. But the principles, as well as the philosophies, are the same. So in order to attain high performance, using minimal resources, uh, small resources in terms of chip diarrhea, resources in terms of uh, energy, because um, also mobile space energy is very important for battery life, but also for HPC, because electricity, if you build a large system, then your electricity bill can skyrocket, of course. So um, these domains share the same constraints. They share, uh, in some sense, their applications are getting similar. So the technology involved are also becoming similar. So all the way from mobiles to very large system, I believe it's not just the success stories, but these uh, heterogeneous systems are already the mainstream. Yes. Looking ahead to the future of supercomputing, what trends do you see as high performance scales to the exascale that you were, you were talking about earlier? Yeah, so the, I think the trend is to uh, have much tighter integration of the components, uh, better cooling, for example, 3D die stacking of DRAMs with things like 2.5D with a chip interposer, that's much tighter integration of the components. You do this for efficiency, you do this for lower power, because with tighter integration, you don't have to use as much power to transfer the signals. There are also um, proposals to integrate the networks into the chips, uh, integrate the optics using silicon photonics, uh, using more silicon um, storage technologies or silicon or even MVRAMs to, instead of spinning disks, again, much integrating the system. So integration, that plus the use of more advanced uh, new device technologies. I think, um, again, using uh, more MVRAM technologies, using more photonics or more, more advanced photonics. Uh, so those are starting to become really prevalent in designing the system. So like 10, 20 years ago, when the commodity clusters came out, they were basically repurposing the standard chips that you find in desktops into high-performance computers and build clusters. Uh, you can't do that anymore because you're, then you, can, you would no longer be efficient. So you'll see everywhere on this floor, you see many machines, many technologies, but uh, overall, the trend is to really achieve a much more tight integration and to achieve efficiency. So that's one trend. For software, you'll see the complexity growing. So how do you deal with the system complexity? Because the systems are so big, they become heterogeneous, they become more hierarchical. So how do you hide 
all the complexities of this massive machines with that are with complexities everywhere. How do you how do you hide everything from the programmer so that he can be more productive? That's becoming yet another very uh, serious problem, and there are solutions to ease the, easing the problem so uh, people can program these very fast and co complex machines more effectively. Uh, there are a lot of work going on to uh, rectify those problems. So, so how to achieve tight integration, how to deal with the complexity of, of the machines. So I think those are two really very interesting trends that's emerging. Well, Dr. Matsuaka, thank you so much for taking this time out to speak with oh. us today. Okay. Um, to close, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what got you started on the path of designing supercomputers? I got started because uh, I was, I guess, one of the first generation, well, and though back in those days, they called it microcomputers. Okay? I like 8-bit personal computers of, of very early years. I was the first generation computer aficionado hobbyist. When I, uh, my first encounter with those chips was when I was 14 years old. So immediately I saw, you know, I was you know, building, I was, uh, you know, engineering oriented kid, you know, building radios and all that. But suddenly one day you see instead of, you know, transistors and speakers and microphones, suddenly you see this uh, computers sold in stores. So, what? Why are they selling computers in stores? Because you know, to you, computers are like, you know, like science fiction that's in huge mainframes back in those, uh, uh, you know, hidden away in these, uh, you know, firewall computer rooms. So suddenly you see something like hanging. Computers, okay, well, what's that? Well, I mean, I can buy a computer on my own. I can do this thing called programming. What's programming? How do I make these things work? So I think that really gets me started to really think about what computers are, how do you program them, how do you build them? And then, you know, throughout the years, this interest, hobby interest, which I was really devoted to, became my uh, university study so I went to computer science at, at University of Tokyo. And then, you know, I thought I would be, become an engineer, but somehow, you know, they made me a professor. And then, so I was doing computer science all the time uh, throughout my career. But then it got to the point where uh, I got interested in parallel com and discrete computing and started using the machines. But then on using machines supplied by the vendors, so these were the parallel machines it really got to the point where you saw limitations in what the accessibility of these machines. So, you know, there are big machines, but they're very scarce. You can't really use them. So well, then what do you do? Then the clusters, then the kilomicros appeared. So, oh, maybe I can build one myself. Then we started building and ran into all these, again, challenges, but really got, got us interested. Um, so we kept building bigger and bigger systems until they realized I had a faster system than this, the computing center. So that's why I said, well, would you like to become the full professor and you know, build system for us? So yeah, sure, yeah, that's a great, great deal. But, by the way, our budget, of course, the budget was much bigger. Of course, I'll be more responsible because I have to deliver a real machine that we use by thousands of people. However, uh, that basically uh, was an extension of what a all the, all the research. Of course, most of the research done in software. However, that became sort of an extension of my ambition. But really, the roots are like looking at 
instead of building radios, start building computers, and that has lasted for th over 30 years. You've been listening to Satoshi Matsuoka of the Global Scientific Information and Computing Center at the Tokyo Institute of Technology. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.